In the latest Good Morning Hamilton podcast, what is the future of COVID-19 in Canada? Hamilton hospitals are getting swamped by COVID. A longtime city councillor waves goodbye to public office. Inflation pushing your auto insurance rates higher. We speak with the folks behind a unique show at the Hamilton Fringe Festival. And are the Ticats going to make the playoffs? The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. Wave number seven is here, and boy, is it ever the COVID-19 pandemic. If we look to Australia, you know, usually during flu season, right, when October, November, we're getting ready to get our flu shots. We're always thinking, well, what happened in Australia with the flu season? And uh, vaccine manufacturers will be like, all right, uh, this particular variant or virus was, you know, epic in the southern hemisphere. We got to tailor make our um, flu vaccine to that particular strain. So with COVID, are, are we doing the same? And I ask this because Australians are now being urged to work from home as the latest wave of Omicron swamps hospitals. Get a load of these numbers. 50,000 New cases reported in Australia on Wednesday, the highest daily tally in two months. 5,300 people are in hospital, a near record number. And officials in Australia say they could see millions of new cases over the coming weeks. So the question is, is this a precursor of what Canadians might face this fall and winter? Joining us to discuss this is Dr. Dale Kalina. He's an infectious diseases physician and medical director of infection prevention and control at Joseph Brandt Hospital and an assistant clinical professor of infectious diseases at McMaster University. Dr. Kalina, good morning. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Rick. Thanks for having me. First things first, we know that hospitals are being ravaged by COVID, whether it's cases, patients in hospitals, um, uh, healthcare professionals getting swamped, getting sick in isolation. How are things at Joe Brandt Hospital? Yeah, so hospitals right now are being ravaged, but it's not just by COVID. I think that's it's kind of the the extended implications of what two and a half years of COVID and uh, and a healthcare system that's somewhat failing. Um, that's what that's what it's falling. That's what it's collapsing under right now. So it's it's staffing pressures. It's burnout. It's um, it's inability to get more staff. And um, and that's been really difficult for us, not just at Joe Brandt, but I think everywhere around uh, the GTA and Ontario itself. With what is happening in Australia, could that be a precursor to what might come for us in the next few months? So you're very right to say that we often look to Australia and New Zealand to see what their winter was like before ours, particularly for the flu. And, and I'm hopeful that that's not going to be what we see with COVID this time because we are seeing the BA5 uh, subvariant here right now as well as they are there. But I think the biggest difference is, of course, this is the coldest season that you have in Australia and in New Zealand. Uh, so you have more people who are indoors uh, as opposed to here where we're mostly outdoors right now, uh, you know, taking in the heat, etc. Um, but, uh, but at the same time, you're right, we can see Australia starting to impose uh, or are starting to to uh, restart some benefits for staff and, and trying to encourage people to work from home and to try to encourage people to do things like wear masks when they're in public places indoors, because that will help their healthcare system as it would ours were we in the same situation. 
We're chatting with Dr. Dale Kalina, infectious diseases physician at Joseph Brandt Hospital and an infectious diseases professor at McMaster University about uh, the future of COVID. And I do want to ask you that question in a couple of minutes. But you mentioned the subvariants of Omicron, BA5. What should we know about this subvariant? I think the biggest thing that we need to remember about this is that it is, is how quickly it spreads. Uh, somewhat like the the first Omicron variant that we saw back in January of this year here, um, it spreads exceptionally quickly. It also appears not to not to um, you know show any preference for people who are. Uh, vaccinated or unvaccinated in terms of who it infects. But where we do see a difference, of course, between the vaccinated and unvaccinated is the severity of their symptoms. So although we've got the certain amount of evasion from from the vaccines, uh, people who are vaccinated with three doses or four if you're immunocompromised uh, really should still be safe from the severe consequences of COVID. Starting July 28th, so sometime next, I think it's next Thursday, uh, parents of kids under five will be able to book a pediatric COVID-19 vaccine. What is your message to those parents who might be sitting on the fence debating whether or not they should get their kids vaccinated? So, so the advice that I offered to to my my sister and her husband for their uh, three year old was to get the vaccine um, uh, wholeheartedly and without reservation. Um, the reality is uh, is that there are severe consequences for COVID uh, in the pediatric and very young population as well. And yes, they are less common than they are in adults. Uh, and protecting other adults as much as we can, and protecting kids uh, as much as we can, this is part of that. And really, this does allow for the COVID vaccine to be brought into that canon of vaccines that we always give kids to keep them safe. When it comes to the future of COVID, I'm sure it's a little bit cloudy, but we do have a lot of great information that we have uh, grabbed over the last couple of years. In your mind, what does the future of COVID look like in terms of uh, the infection, the, the morphing of this virus, masking requirements. What's in your crystal ball? Yeah, so I, th- I don't think that it's all doom and gloom. I think it's important to recognize the strides that we've made over the course of the past two and a half years. We have a lot of treatments for COVID, both severe and mild. We've got prevention methods, including um, uh, including vaccines and masks. But I think in the future, as we go forward, we will still see high numbers of COVID and it will wax and wane as we see with all of the different waves. Um, but I'm hopeful that with the treatments and uh, and with the vaccines that we have and vaccines to come, we'll see fewer severe consequences and fewer severe deaths. Let's hope we get to that point very, very soon. Dr. Kalina, really appreciate your time today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Rick, for having me. That is Dr. Dale Kalina, infectious diseases physician and medical director of infection prevention and control at Joseph Brandt Hospital. He is also an assistant clinical professor of infectious diseases at McMaster University. Pretty tenuous times in Australia with the virus running rampant. And uh, fingers crossed that that is not going to be the case here in Canada this fall or winter. Although the seventh wave is really getting scary. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Seventh wave of COVID-19 has been here for a few weeks now. And it is most certainly causing some big time impacts at local hospitals. Those within St. Joseph's Healthcare Hamilton, those within Hamilton Health Sciences. We're seeing record high healthcare worker and physician shortages. 
very high wait times, and job vacancies that number into the hundreds. So what's going on, and, and is there a light at the end of the tunnel? What seems like a long and dark tunnel. Dr. Greg Rutledge is the Deputy Chief of Staff at St. Joseph's Healthcare Hamilton and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Dr. Rutledge, welcome back to the show. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm okay. Let's uh, pull back the curtain, so to speak, and tell our listeners what's happening in Hamilton hospitals. Yeah, so you mentioned Wave 7. That's certainly a, a, a component of what's happening. I think it's it's a relatively small component, to be honest, at this point. I think what we're really struggling with is much of the aftermath of previous waves of the pandemic, that um, our healthcare system, and not just St. Joe's and HHS, but across the province and really across the country, I imagine most many of your listeners have heard or read lots of articles about this, um, just facing this this extreme human resource shortage, which I think is some, again, the aftermath of the pandemic, people leaving the profession uh, to find less stressful environments, people retiring early. Just Our healthcare teams have burdened the, the pressures and stress of the last couple of years and have done it very well, but it's had a, it's had a long-term impact on people. And so, as you mentioned, we have these vacancies. We, we Both HHS and St. Joe's have done really strong hiring t- intentions like we do every year. Uh, we're just not as successful with them. And then you couple that with um, post-pandemic levels, our, our volumes have come up to beyond where they were in 20, if you take 2019 as the number based on pre-pandemic times, our increase in volumes at, e, at the EDs and our urgent cares have increased. And then finally, you add in this layer of complexity from delayed care for people um, that uh, through the, through the, through the uh, pandemic, whether it was delayed surgeries or delayed in getting in to see their specialists or primary care physicians. Um, and we're seeing just increase in the complexity of patients arriving. Then you add in an earlier wave seven, and it's just this this uh, perfect storm, as it's described, of of all these these issues coming together and leading to pressures in the healthcare system. We know that uh, there has been you know, th- that burnout factor has been there pretty much for two years running here. Uh, we had a report earlier on in the show that, uh, and I'm sure this is the case for hundreds, if not thousands, of healthcare workers, where uh, staff are going home in tears because they just don't know, you know, what the next day uh, entails, and they've obviously had a rough day at work. What is staff morale like at the hospitals? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. It's one we struggle with every day, trying to we you know trying to match our services with the with this ongoing crisis we have in staffing levels. Unfortunately, the volumes continue and they don't abate, and so we know that's putting a stress on when we're when we're dealing with a shorter staff complement than we normally have. We know that puts a stress, an added stress, on our healthcare providers, and so it's a hard time in healthcare right now for sure for our frontline workers and and recognizing that stress, and we hear it every day. Um, when we walk around the wards and in the emerge, the the stress they feel, the feel like they're not providing the same service that they could before if they had full complement of staff, and and the stress that's put on people, and that feeling of before it used to be it's a stress, but we're getting through it, and now it's a stress, and you hear more and more. I need to look for another place to work, and not place within the different hospital, but uh, but even just outside of nursing or outside of healthcare, and so that's devastating for us. I mean, the people who do this job, they do it because it's their calling. They love it. They want to be there for patients, and. And to hear that is really, really heartbreaking for us as leaders and in, in, in us trying to find solutions. It makes us that more important that we find solutions to. We talk a lot about recruitment, but retention is such a key piece here to keep our, our seasoned workforce. Yeah, you mentioned many people looking to exit the industry, so much so that both hospital systems, St. Joe's and HHS, have nearly 700 job vacancies. Um, what kind of impact is that having on the day-to-day operations? 
Yes, it is. So it is. And I think that, you know, one of the reasons that we're getting out here and, and spreading this message, both from St. Joseph's HHS, is one, to give a Hamilton lens. I think we're hearing a national lens to things, but also to tell the, the, the community that we're here there. We're here for your emergencies. We're here for your time-sensitive care. Um, however, there will be a slight difference to how you see your health care delivered um, in the coming weeks to months. Um, you know, there is longer emergency wait times at both sites. There's longer, longer ambulance offload times. There'll be some reduction in, in temporary pauses in some services from an outpatient perspective. And um, that's one of the things we're seeing is it's not just a hospital challenge here. We know that community health care, we know our community partners are struggling with this. Our long-term care homes are struggling with staffing. Um, home care services are struggling. So it's, it's, a per, it's, just, it's just a challenge across the health care system. And so that's what we're, we're sort of letting the public know, um, asking for some patience, some understanding as we go through this. We're looking at solutions. We're, we're working with our community partners to look for solutions. Uh, and knowing that we're here for your time-sensitive care, but there may be some pauses and some challenges and some waits as we go through these next several months. Our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Dr. Greg Rutledge, Deputy Chief of Staff, St. Joseph's Healthcare Hamilton, talking about COVID's impact on the healthcare system. With with the job vacancy situation where it is, with staff morale up and down depending on the day, uh, is it going to get, we know that, you know, during the, the winter months that cases could rise because we're indoors more. Is it going to get worse before it gets better? Uh, it will be a challenge these next several months, for sure. I mean, we know that there has been a small, we, yeah, everyone's read it, we've seen this wave seven starting earlier, and we thought we will. It looks like it's going to be a muted wave at this point in the summer months as more people are outdoors. We do worry about the impact as people go inside more. Um, we've seen some data that suggests that we'll see some increase in our hospitalization rate. Um, and so given the current stressors we're facing, I think that's the other reason we're um, doing what we can to get out in front of this and recognize that the fall and winter months, there'll be some challenges as it relates to COVID that, that you know, was an added stress along all the other stresses we're facing. And so all of us are looking at solutions and sitting in rooms and saying, how are we, how are we, going, to, how are we going to solve this one? How, how are we going to mitigate as we go through these challenges? Are the hospital systems doing anything in terms of combating those average wait times and are surgeries and procedures still being pushed back? Uh, so yes and yes, I would say. So we are working. It's a very, it's a delicate balance trying to, again, trying to match our services to the, to the match our, our needs to the services that we have. And so each day we're looking at where we can spread around the balance of stress. Um, you know, if, every, if we close beds on the floor, we know that that's going to back up to the emergency room and lead to later, greater wait times. But we also don't want patients that don't have, that have an accurate or an appropriate ratio of nurses to patients. And so it's that balance every day that we strike to sort of balance the overall pressures across the hospital, across all the wards and the eMERGE. But there are times when that balance, we, we just can't, we can't meet without, without, reduction, excuse me, without a reduction in services. And so that's where the pausing of some and canceling of some ORs come. And we know that for patients who have been waiting for this surgery for many days or weeks or months and have maybe waited that day and aren't eating because they're ready for the surgery, we know the impact that that cancellation has. And we certainly... Don't take that lightly. There are occasions where we have to cancel some surgeries. They usually aren't the ones that are cancer or very time-sensitive surgeries, transplant surgeries. We, we do our best to get those through, but there are occasions where, yes, we do have to cancel some surgeries, and that's, again, a stress across all of our hospitals in the province. And we've all pushed to try and not only get back to, to our normal levels, but then 
even beyond to get to dig into some of this backlog that we have uh, from the pandemic. And so it's a real challenge to, to try and do that. And I think as we look at our hospital partners across the region, province, none of us have been successful in getting to the levels that we'd like to be. Certainly a delicate balancing act. We're learning to live with COVID. Easier said than done, of course, in the hospital system. Dr. Rutledge, appreciate the time. Best of luck in the months ahead. Thanks so much. That's Dr. Greg Rutledge, Deputy Chief of Staff, St. Joseph's Healthcare, Hamilton. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Longtime Ancaster Councillor Lloyd Ferguson has announced that he is not going to be seeking re-election in this October's municipal election. He is not the first councillor to say, you know what, I've had enough. I've done my time. I've made a difference. I've enjoyed my time. There have been some frustrating times, but uh, my time's done. And so CHML reporter Lisa Pileski caught up with Mr. Ferguson yesterday, and let's listen into their conversation. Can you tell me a little bit about what, uh, what prompted this decision not to run again? Well, I've done four years, four terms, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm 72 years old. Uh, I've probably got eight good years left. And so do you have to expend another four years, half that time, doing another term? And I just thought that I've completed all the projects I wanted to complete. You could see them on my press release if you got copied on that, the list of projects. And, and of course, this is one of the main ones, as is the Ancaster Square and the Wilson Street reconstruction. So it's, it was just time. You know, you kind of touched on it there, your, a couple of your accomplishments over the years. Is there any that really stand out to you that uh, you're particularly proud of? Well, the three that I'm particularly proud of is the Wilson Street reconstruction because it was in horrible shape. It took 10 years to get it through all the stages and get the money found. And now uh, that's done right from the 403 to the city limits. The redevelopment of the, old Anca- the whole Lancaster Square, the old town hall, the Hamill House, the Tisdale House, the Lawn Bowling Green, the, the spray pad, and the tennis courts. And the third was right here at the Ancaster Arts Centre. This is one of the crown jewels, and it was my last one. And so I'm done. <laughs> and uh, you were talking about, you know, we're just putting the finishing touches on this centre. When is it expected to be uh, available for Ancaster to enjoy? Well, it's, uh, it's, it's open now. We have, uh, we've taken possession of this whole area. It's just the theatre we haven't. So um, Theatre Ancaster has their children training sessions going on right now. Hundreds of kids enrolled in that and sold out. And... Um, we hope to get possession of the theater in about two weeks. So we're planning now, as after the summer, early in September, to have the opening night for the theater. I'm just wondering, you know, you, you talked a little bit about in your speech about the presence in Ancaster that you've had over the years and how it's kind of been a family institution. It what has. are your thoughts about who might be taking over from well, I, I, I'm clearly going to watch who registers. I'm encouraging some people to register. I hope at the end I can endorse someone that I feel will carry the torch and then I can work with them also it'll be a steep learning curve for any new person it you know takes a year to find your way around city hall but then you gotta how do you influence the process to get things for your ward and uh, so there's four candidates registered already and now that I've announced I'm not running that might bring out more so you haven't officially ad- decided who you might be endorsing at this no, time? No, no, no. You, wait till, you gotta wait till the nominations close. Sure, yeah, of course. Um, and I'm just wondering, you know, there's going to be a lot of turnover on City Council this year. You know, Mayor Eisenberger's not running again, and it looks like a lot of people are not running again. As no, Sam Ruler, Brenda Johnson, you know, on and on. So it's, it's almost half of Council. Yeah, so what are your thoughts about what uh, the future of Hamilton politics and what it's going to look like going forward? Well, a lot of the advocates keep saying they should have term limits. And I don't agree with that. I think it's uh, up to the public to decide who they want to represent them, not some special interest group. But uh, 
you know, it'll bring new ideas and new thoughts. And, and so it'll be fun to sit in the bleachers and watch. I guess, is there anything that you wanted to say to the broader community, kind of just to wrap up, uh, you know, your, your feelings for the community? I have a mixed feelings. I love this job, but I've, I've run my time. And at 72, I think I've earned some me time and, and some time with my two grandkids and teach them some things along the way. I want to spend the winters in the south. I hate the cold anymore. And... Uh, and, and I'm not going to go away. I'm still going to do some things in the community or somewhere, get on some boards, because I have a lot of experience that I can share and uh, stay busy. And he's right. Lloyd Ferguson, number one, hats off to Lloyd and uh, all of the councillors, or any councillor really, to go into public office. It's not an easy job. It might seem easy or sound easy. Hey, you sit there and you're in meetings and uh, there's a lot of heavy lifting and there's a lot of delegating and there's a lot of early morning or late night phone calls from constituents. Uh, it's it's not an easy job. But he is right in terms of half half the council is going to be potentially is going to be new on October 24th on election night because Mayor Fred Eisenberger, the incumbent, not running. We have four candidates for mayor. And as of right now, the deadline for candidates to submit their nomination papers is August the 19th. So this isn't official, but... There are no incumbents at this point running in wards 2, 4, 5, 11, 12, 14, and 15. And when you include the mayor, that's that's half of council right there. So we could have basically a brand new city council at Hamilton City Hall. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Canada's inflation rate hitting 8.1% in June... The highest it has been since January 1983. Talking about turning back the clock. And that is putting a squeeze on our dollars and cents. Its impact is everywhere. Grocery store, the gas station, even though gas prices are coming down as of midnight tonight. Uh, Your mortgage rate and on and on and on. Is it also affecting your auto insurance? Morgan Roberts is an insurance sales director at RateHub.ca and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Morgan, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I think I know the answer to this. Is inflation impacting our insurance rates? Yes, you're going to see it impact your home. I Personally, I think you're going to see it impact your home and auto rates um, as the cost of uh, the vehicle parts, vehicles themselves, and housing. the houses go up. And the housing materials, it just leads to a more expensive bill for when a claim is made. So is this going to be the case for a long time, a short period of time? What is what is inflation's impact on insurance down the road? It's too early to tell at this point. Um, I do think we will see an impact. I can't say for how long or when it's coming. Um, there's so many factors that will impact your insurance. Um, it's mainly... You have, like, aside from the individual uh, factors such as uh, your age, driving history, um, car insurers car insurers also look at overall costs with the auto industry to calculate your auto, your auto premium. Mm-hmm. So as the cost of parts goes up, the cost of your insurance could go up as well. Morgan Roberts is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Morgan is an insurance sales director at RateHub.ca. What types of insurance have seen the most significant increases in premiums? I think it's home insurance so far. Really? Eh? Because the cost of materials has gone up so much with inflation. I, 
I would say home insurance. Is that also because many people have, over the last, let's say, five to ten years, have dipped into the equity in their home because home prices have increased, have made renovations and improvements in their home. These homes are worth a lot more now, thus the premiums are going to be worth a lot more. Yeah, definitely. The the more you upgrade your home and uh, make changes to it, the higher the rebuild value of it comes. And the rebuild value of your home is a big driver in your home insurance premium. Uh, So the answer that most, if not all, of our listeners want to know is, how can they lower their insurance rate? What should they be doing? The first thing they should do is talk to their broker. If they do see a significant increase in their home insurance or car insurance, call your broker, see if there's anything any information they don't have, like maybe you did pay off your mortgage, that can cause a discount. Um, some companies, if you quit smoking, will give you a discount. So your best bet is to call into your broker, go over your entire insurance portfolio. And if the company you are with did have a good price increase, your broker might be able to shop your insurance with another company that may have lower rates for you. Probably already good, uh, also a good idea to contact your insurance provider, too, to say, hey, I've made these renovations because if something does happen, you want to recoup that cost, right? Yes, 100%. If you make any changes into the house, the first thing you should do is call your broker or, to be honest with you, before you do the renovations, you should talk to your your broker, just to make sure that while the house is under construction, the home is still covered. Great tips, Morgan. Appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us this morning and uh, stay cool. Thank you for having me. That is Morgan Roberts, Insurance Sales Director at RateHub.ca. I noticed my home and auto insurance creep up ever so slightly. That's usually the case. You don't see those, unless you've been in an accident or had a major catastrophe at your home, you don't see those uh, at least for me, in my in my uh, personal history, I haven't seen those uh, big-time jumps in insurance premiums. Hopefully you are noticing the same, if it is, going up. And that's obviously the trend. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. It is Hamilton Fringe Festival week in a bit. A couple of weeks, really. 14 stages, 350 performances and a whole lot of fun. Well, I'm sure there'll be lots of laughs, maybe a tear or two as well, and some great performances, no doubt about it, on a number and in a number of different venues across the city. There are, as we know, if you've ever been to fringe um, shows, productions, many unique, uh, fun, thought-provoking productions, and that is no different at this year's Hamilton Fringe Festival, including an original comedy titled Unmatched. By the way, you can get your tickets at hftco.ca, show schedules, locations, everything uh, online. Uh, Unmatched, a creation from Levity Theatre Company, and our two guests here, Ev Beauchamp and Katie Smick, are from the Levity Theatre Company, co-artistic directors. Ev, Katie, welcome to the show. How are you? Great. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming on. Ev, we'll start with you. Your show premieres, I believe it's Sunday night at the Bridgeworks Bridgeworks stage on Caroline Street North. Tell us about Unmatched. What is it about? 
Sure. So Unmatched is a um, comedy that is a mix of stand-up. It is a mix of sketch comedy all about first dates. So we conducted interviews about real first date stories. Um, and then we decided to put them on stage um, for your enjoyment or for your grief if you are a bit too uh, relating to it. So, <laughs> Katie, I understand the show explores the reality of dating against the grain. Yeah. So um, the different dates that like, you know, we uh, we portray on stage, they um, they run the gamut of, you know, kind of, you know, lighthearted and quirky to just bizarre and like potentially dangerous, but ends up being okay because, you know, all of these people made it out alive and able to tell their stories. <laughs> so Ev, are there personal experiences shared within the show? And, and if so, what's that like putting yourself out there? So we actually made the decision not to share our own dating stories. Okay. Um, I think one of the main things about our show is that it's a piece of verbatim theater. So we really wanted to explore other people's um, um, narratives and also their own language um, through our performance. So we really wanted to make sure that we were collecting like a like a bunch of different stories from different sources to really create like this mosaic of first dates that wasn't just coming from us. Because other people are way more interesting than us. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and like when people start telling their stories, they become like, comedians themselves like they're like oh I've got this story to tell you and they just go for it and it becomes so much more interesting than anything that we could have come up with so these are stories from friends colleagues family members yeah and some uh, random people on the internet um <laughs> I, I posted um on some dating apps I posted ads that I was doing this show um, and that I wanted to hear first date stories. And some people messaged me and were like, yeah, let's have a let's have a Zoom date and I'll tell you about this story. Wow, that is awesome. Our guests on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML, Ev Beauchamp and Katie Smith, co-artistic directors at Levity Theatre Company. And they are the driving force behind an original comedy titled Unmatched, which is going to hit the Bridgework stage on Sunday night as part of the Hamilton Fringe Festival. Ev, the title, Unmatched, uh, a hidden meaning behind the name yeah i mean it's it's mostly like with dating apps when um you're talking to someone and you decide maybe you're no longer interested or sometimes if you went on a date with them and you decided that it was like a no-go you unmatch them <laughs> um or but it's also kind of like a play on like just unmatched like these combinations of people that just are not working out for whatever reason mm -hmm. It's usually that the relationships that don't work out seem to be, maybe for the most part, uh, a little more humor humorous than the ones that do, because everyone likes a good train wreck, right, Katie? Yeah, and the interesting thing is that we never asked for your bad first date stories. We were always very clear. We're like, do you have a memorable first date? And unsurprisingly, the most memorable ones that people come up with are the absolute train wrecks. <laughs> Ev, how many people did you talk to? Uh, we've talked to a lot. I've actually talked to more people now that we've been doing uh, our fringe circuit. So I've had more people come to me with stories that I've recorded, but there are seven dates in our show. Yeah. Though we've probably talked to closer to 20 people. Wow. And Katie, is this your first time at Hamilton Fringe or are you guys uh, fringe vets? Yeah, uh, this is our first time at Hamilton Fringe. We were actually slated to come here last year, um, but then um, because of the pandemic, they weren't doing live show performances anymore. So um, we're super happy to be back here in Hamilton, but we have actually been on tour, um, uh, a Fringe tour. We started in 
Ottawa, our home base. And then we were in Toronto and then we got here. Uh, and after Hamilton, we have a few weeks break and then we head over to Victoria for uh, their Fringe Festival. We're talking about an original comedy titled Unmatched at the Hamilton Fringe Festival this year. It kicks off on Sunday at the Bridgework Stage on Caroline Street North. And our two guests are Katie Smick and Ev Beauchamp, co-artistic directors at Levity Theatre Company, the two people behind this show. Ev, what other shows are you excited to see at Hamilton Fringe? Um, I think one of them um, I'm excited about is Too Much Information Improvised. Um, they've been kind of touring along with us. Um, it's a great show about this um, couple, who, well, exes now, <laughs> not couple anymore. And they do improv kind of based on this like tension they have with this like ex relationship. It's it's pretty hilarious. It's a fun watch. And then we also have um, Drag Me to the Opera that we're really excited to see, which is this like drag musical uh performance kind of about um um steven the, the aida cupcake drag queens um experience with with performance and and finding um their voice wow and as we know the weather this week is a little hot a little humid as well there's lots of performances going outside katie what's it like performing outside in this kind of weather i'm not gonna lie to you it's not great um <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's hard it's hard to do but um the the thing that helps, you know, kind of performers get through it is when you have an audience that's out there supporting you and like receptive to whatever you're giving them, even if you're all suffering together in this heat. Um, but, you know, we're hopeful, it, you know, we only had one day of fringe so far. We're hopeful that it'll break soon and everybody <laughs> will have a break from it. Well, I'm quite confident the audience is going to love your show. Good luck with it and uh, best of luck down the road as well. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Thank you. That's Ed Beauchamp and Katie Smith, co-artistic directors with Levity Theatre Company. And they are behind the original comedy titled Unmatched. You can download the entire Hamilton Fringe Festival schedule online at hftco.ca. You can find out where all these shows are happening. Uh, Get all your tickets online as well. It is going to be a great time over the next few days you're listening to the good morning hamilton podcast from 900 chml dane evans looking for the end zone touchdown tiger cats stephen dunbar jr his team leading fourth touchdown of the year and the tiger cats are right back in it rj broadhead the call on 900 chml and the tie cats audio network is the hamilton tiger cats came up short in bc last night they lost 17 to 12 in a defensive battle they're now a dismal one and five on the season who would have thought a third of the way into this CFL campaign, Hamilton would have one win. Not this guy. Not even close. I thought they'd at, least, at the very least have three. No doubt about it. All right, you know, after the first three games, Saskatchewan, Calgary, Winnipeg, I thought, okay, at best, now two and one. They could beat Sask in Regina. They could beat Calgary at home. Eh, toughie against the Bombers in Winnipeg. I was thinking two and one. They they'll beat Edmonton. You know that's three and one. They'll beat Ottawa four and one. And BC BC was kind of a wild card coming in. So I was thinking, yeah, they'll be four and two because it's always tough to go to BC, especially on a short week. They'll be four and two after six games. Mm, nope, one and five after a seventeen twelve loss last night in BC. It was as I said a defensive slugfest. 
as both offenses, uh, they made a couple of big plays here and there, but uh, for the most part, were not consistent enough to go up and down the field and score some points. And once again, this Ticats team, while turnovers weren't a big factor last night for the Tiger Cats, Dane Evans had, was intercepted on basically the last play of the game. The Ticats did uh, get a couple of interceptions. Number one, Julian Hauser had an INT, and Tunde Adelike, with just over a minute to go, had a big INT. And I think all Ticats fans were thinking, all right, here we go. This is the, this is the play of the game. And the Ticats are going to somehow pull this out. But it um, was way too little too late. They had their chances, though, especially with a couple minutes left. In the red zone in BC, they're down by five. They need a TD, could not get it in the end zone. And the play calling offensively, especially on that, you know, the, the final drive to get to the end zone was good, or to the red zone was good, but they just could not get into the end zone. And those plays, I'm thinking, oh, man, like, get it in there, guys. Could not get it done. And come up short once again. Fifth quarter last night, or should I say very early this morning, hosted by CHML's Dave Woodard. Yeah, he took first-team reps, so to speak, on the fifth quarter and hosted for me last night and uh, had some interesting callers call in. Here's Ian and what he thought of last night's game. I just found that they held them to 17 points. Top team in the league. I think all three factors played well. Our offense still struggling a little bit, not like it did before. Um you know, uh, there was uh, a little more confidence in Dean. Again, he's tossing the ball more. I take this as a victory because I just saw a different team today. I think it was gelling a little bit more. If if they continue playing like they did today, I think we'll start turning the corner uh, in at least a week to two weeks, and it will be a decent team. I get what Ian's saying. I, I, I'm not one that subscribes to moral victories after a loss. After any game, win, lose, or draw, you're going to you know, come up with some reasons. You're going to come up with uh, the game plan for the next game. But in terms of uh, you know making yourself feel better, you know I consider this a win. I get where he's coming from. You know, sh- uh, the odds were stacked against the Ticats. You know, they're coming off their first win of the season, which is, you know, exciting, but they're on a very short week. They, you know, they played Saturday. They got to play Thursday. They only get two practices. They got to cross the country. They have to play a team that's just coming off its bye week, well-rested, in their home stadium, three time zones away. The dominoes, the, the cards, were all stacked against the Ticats, yet they nearly pulled it out. So that's something to hang their hats on, but they still lost the game. They still found a way to not win if that makes sense. Alex also called into the fifth quarter. I'm calling as an Argo fan. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Watching the game tonight. And I just got one simple question for Ticat fans. When do you guys make a change at the head coach position and the offensive coordinator position? I think Mark Washington did a fine job tonight. Mm -hmm. I think he's done a fine job with that team. Um, but I think Tommy Condell's got to go. I think Orlando Steinauer's playing for a job tonight. And mm. I think Kari Jones was brought in for a reason. So that's all I want to know is your thoughts on that and going forward with this team. And I can't wait to see these guys in, in uh, four games in five weeks. I can't wait. 
And yeah. I really think this is the year we win Labor Day at Tim Hortons Field. So. Oh. <laughs> Alex rubbing it in there at the end. Hey, listen, Alex. It's not like the Argos are running away with the division. They're 2-2. Two and two. And they got a tough game on Sunday in Saskatchewan in a rematch of TD Atlantic. So we'll, we'll, we'll see about the Argos winning on Labor Day. I don't even think that's allowed. It's against the law. But Alex did make um, a point in terms of the coaching of this team. Number one, I do not think Orlando Steinauer's job is in jeopardy. This team can go, I think, I think, <laughs> 1-17, and he'd still be safe. I mean, how disastrous that would be. But I like the culture that he's developed. He's a great communicator. I think he's a really good coach that is just, it's just not working for him this year. I mean, no one was saying this in 2019 when they were 15-3. and three. Hey, Same coach, basically the same coaching staff, nearly the same team. There's some changes here and there. I don't think he's going anywhere. Tommy Condell, the OC, probably a different story. Kahari Jones coming in as an offensive um, consultant or football operations consultant. I think the writing is on the wall in the weeks ahead that Kahari will probably take over the offense. Phil also called into the show last night. Coaching is a problem with this team. Um, Dane Evans, I have no idea what happened to him. I mean, I, so, so good last year, this year, eh, whatever, makes bad decisions. Uh, this team is one in five. Are you kidding me? One in five. It's a championship team from last year. And you know what? Uh, this is the way I think of things, a lot of things with this team. So I look at coaches like, uh, you know, Dave Dickinson. I look at uh, Michael Shea. You know why these two guys are so successful, Dave? What's that? They just won't win. Yeah. They just won't win. There's there's cheesy one-liners, you know, adversity is us, and blah, blah, blah. They just won't win. They don't need to use those uh, one-liners. Why are they so successful? Because they go out and win. (laughs) Well, there's a lot of work that goes into a win, and it's not as easy as that. Listen, the Ticats are trying. It's just not working. Maybe they'll flip the script uh, coming up in the next six weeks. All those games are against Montreal and Toronto. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.